Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's David Simone. And the Cincinnati Bearcats are number four in the college football invitational rankings. Number four, baby. With a bullet. Number four with a bullet. How's that? Sounds good to me. I'm going to go ahead and preemptively apologize to everyone as I will sound worse than normal. Uh, Playing hurt tonight, battling a cold, have a hot beverage, a cold beverage, cough drops. Hopefully we'll, I'll be on the mute quickly when I, when I feel a coughing fit coming on. So uh, bear with me tonight and uh, hopefully get through it in one piece. I am also battling a cold, but I think I'm probably closer to the uh, the other side of it than you. Yeah, you look like you're look like you're you're right in the thick of it. Yeah, I just take a lot of drugs, over the counter variety. I mean, not over the counter variety doesn't really do anything for a cold. No, all at so. once. Try to knock it out in a couple of days. So. <laughs> So, Dave, we'll start with the uh, CFP. Your thoughts? Okay. The, CF, the CFP. Your thoughts. My initial thought, and you can tell me if I'm missing something here, but with two weeks to go, I only see three outcomes that truly affect them making the playoff. And that is them winning their last two games and Georgia beating Alabama. If those three things happen, I don't see a way that they don't make the playoff. Yeah, I mean, I, if Georgia beats Alabama, I, I think the biggest thing that happened wasn't Cincinnati at four. I think the biggest thing that happened was Ohio State passing Alabama because... And that's why I say the, the only those three things matter is because the committee clearly thinks that Alabama is not playing at a elite level for them to drop to three and so if you look at the Ohio State Michigan game <clears throat> there's really no outcome in that game out, you know assuming Ohio State wins like there's no outcome possible in that game and the Alabama Auburn game all of a sudden then they just one week later flip them back to Alabama second and Ohio State third yeah, and I, I like. I also think there's a distinct like Auburn could get them Saturday. It, weird things happen at Jordan Hare, but like this Auburn. But that, Alabama's been close with almost everybody oh, for a for month, sure. right? They, I mean, yeah, I mean, they could get them. I'm just gonna assume that Alabama wins, but you know, kind of continues to do what they've been doing, and not necessarily a super super impressive fashion. So. If Alabama wins and then loses to Georgia, 
there are two loss non-SEC champ that was three to begin with. They're yeah. not staying at three. No. So theoretically, if you see beats East Carolina, beats Houston, they likely move up to three. And then it's a conversation of Alabama versus potential one-loss Big 12 champ Oklahoma State for the fourth spot. We've heard a lot about does Cincinnati need to worry about Oklahoma State jumping them? I don't think – that's assuming Alabama beats Georgia because if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia, UC moves up. There's no right. way Alabama loses to Georgia and stays at three. After just falling from two to three, having two losses, and being a, a not two-loss non-conference champ. Right. They're not just going to keep them at three. I just I don't see that. So then it becomes a Oklahoma State-Alabama question, in my opinion. And then you have the fact that Oklahoma State is like two Notre and 13. Two and 13 against OU since Mike Gundy's been there. Oklahoma State is clearly a better team right now, but kind of like with Ohio State and Michigan, and I thought about this, UC and Miami, Ohio, like I'm not going to think Oklahoma State is going to beat Oklahoma until they do it. Because they yeah, just it's the same with Michigan, just, Ohio State. Right, they just haven't been able to do it. Even, if, even though I think they're a good bit better. So I think the style point thing was overblown because it only mattered if the teams around UC kept winning. And they have. Right. Teams in front of them have lost and teams behind them have lost. So you can't really ding them in that four-week stretch for not winning a certain way when all the other teams around them are actually losing. And now they're in a position, two weeks to go, <coughs> that it's kind of all in front, you know, it's all in front of them. If they go 13-0, I don't see how they don't make it, regardless of what happens everywhere else. Well, I mean, I guess the, the question would be, like, if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia stays in, Alabama stays in, Ohio State is in, then you get that Oklahoma State-Cincinnati question of Oklahoma State yeah. wins out. I think it would be hard to bump them out based on history. There's only been four teams to ever make the playoff at this point ranked sixth or seventh. And you'd still be comparing a one loss versus an undefeated. So, and I don't know. I just, I don't see Alabama beating Georgia. Um, Neither, but not the way those teams are playing. Alabama. Not the way those teams, right? And it's Georgia. I mean, Georgia's been very, very good for a while, but they still have one national title since I've been alive, and that was, or no, not 
since the year before I was born. So it's, it's, you know, <clears throat> but there really isn't that much left to have to, like, you don't really need chaos anymore. You don't need to worry about how do we look, how, like, the committee clearly liked what they saw in the SMU game. I thought it was funny that last week Gary Barta said that set aside watching the games, and then this week he talked over and over about how good UC looked against SMU. Yeah, I mean, it's it has been ironic, the about-face that like they've had to do to themselves because I think they fully anticipated we're going to be able to keep them out. Like, you know, last year was the perfect storm of, of this, right? Because nobody, like none of those teams lost. Right. Everybody did what they had to do. Yeah. I mean, you're really only down to, I would say seven teams that can realistically make it. Like, I don't think Baylor and Oklahoma can make it. I don't, with the way that the committee has viewed Oklahoma, I just, it's hard for me to see them going from 10 to four based on beating Oklahoma State twice. Yeah, they've Baylor already has, shown they don't have has much respect. Losses. They don't have much respect for Oklahoma. Like they've made that clear from the start that they don't view Oklahoma in a in a good light. Yeah. So they're going to go from, from ten to to four, ten to three. Like I don't see that as possible. No, I not, just don't. Not based on the eight years of of this setup right it's it i mean i think tell me if you disagree right now i think it's if they went out let's get that caveat out there when we're talking about this we are talking about what happens if they went out because if they don't went out doesn't matter they're not going yeah it doesn't matter i think it's more likely they end up at three then they end up at five. Yeah. I mean, like there are many more avenues to get them to three than there is to get them to five. Like, yeah, the, the way they, the if, way Alabama, if, if Alabama, really the, only beats, way, the only way you're at five is if Alabama beats Georgia, Oklahoma State wins out, and they decide that to take Oklahoma State over UC. Oklahoma State, right. I mean, I think if Alabama beats Georgia, it's still probably likely that Ohio State State like moves to one. Alabama has the head-to-head win on a neutral. They go to two. Are you going to put Georgia at three and run back the SEC title game? I think Alabama. So you would put Georgia at four. What? I think Alabama would. Really? Yeah. It's also funny, and it's not gonna like. <laughs> it's not gonna happen even if they lose. 
But like if Georgia lost the SEC championship game, no one's talking about how their resume is like kind of trash. Yeah. And how how their one top 25 win would be Clemson. They also kind of curb stomped everybody. They have, but like that's been under the umbrella of undefeated. Yeah, me, they would still ninety nine point nine percent make the the, you know, the the playoff, but it is kind of funny. Like they're like this prohibitive favorite, but if you really drill down, they haven't really beat anybody that good all year. No, they haven't. I mean, the SEC is not, especially the SEC East, is yeah, not got, some gauntlet. They got the East, and then they always play Auburn. And then I don't know who their other – I think it was Bandy. Or no, they're in the East. I don't know who they're their other – Yeah. Their other uh, – maybe maybe it was – Crossover. Their, they're terrible. Um, but, no, it's just kind of funny to, to think about that. It is. That's why, I, like, I think you could see, like, Alabama to Georgia at four. If Georgia beats Alabama – or if Alabama beats Georgia. Potentially, I don't know. Just talking through all the different scenarios. Yeah. What, what, what was what was your? Did you like? I kind of had a a little bit of an emotional reaction seeing Cincinnati at four. Uh, like just because. Why well, don't know, pay attention? Okay. Until like. Well okay, after, Luke. Okay, well, Luke. No, I just don't like until well after the fact, and then I go back and scroll through the Twitter and whatnot. Um. I've kind of just, I mean, like, it's great. I think it's deserving. But I, you know, our loyal listeners know, like, months and months I said, tell me where they're at on December 5th, and I'll tell you what I think. Yeah, I just think it was, it was, it was the, the reaction to, like, they haven't been able to do everything in their power to keep them out like you know they want to. Well, yeah, I think the, the, the crew were a little surprised just because they – I think they just assumed that, like, yeah, they'll just jump Michigan over. Right. Beca- because they can, and it doesn't truly matter. Yeah, it didn't matter at all because, you know, Ohio State beats Michigan and Michigan falls, you know, so it didn't matter. You just bought yourself a week. Now that they, and like, I, I know we I, all have, have enjoyed just, busting Gary Barda and the committee's chops, but honestly, like outside of the whole like Michigan, Michigan State thing, which has worked itself out, at the top end of the rankings, there really hasn't been anything to to truly like be irate about. It's when he goes out there and tries to answer questions and does so absolutely terribly. Like if they just put the rankings out and didn't say anything, I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, from our standpoint, we would have liked SMU and Houston to be ranked earlier and higher, but like in the grand scheme of it all, no one gives a shit about that. Like they want to know the top four, the top, whatever, who can make it, who can't. Like, I think they've done an actual good job but they just dig themselves these holes when they come out and say things that make fans and media that cover the sport kind of scratch their heads. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like jumping. We know Ohio why State. they do that stuff at the back end. Jumping Ohio State over Alabama, nobody. I don't think anybody had anything wrong with that. Because it was absolutely the right move. Ohio right. State's they're, playing they're better. Playing than Alabama. The, right, exactly. Um, and I don't necessarily have a problem with them putting Michigan over Michigan State when they did. It was just the the, the wor- way that they that answered. Like, if you think they're better, just say we think they're better. Yeah. We know they beat them, and not all head to heads are created equal. Like, just because we have <laughs> Oregon over Iowa State. Yeah, I, the other like you can you can legit say I think Michigan State was at home. They needed a furious comeback in order to just be in that position. Like we don't think Michigan State is playing as well as we think Michigan is playing. We think Michigan has you know, a better resume than Michigan State does, or they perform better against a similar resume. The thing about the thing really about that was, I don't know how you differentiated between the two of them because both of their resumes stink or stunk at that point. But, you know, that's, yeah, that's discussing stuff that's weeks old, so. I think that I, I would agree. I think they, for the most part, like I just I don't like the collusion at the back end. Uh, I just think that part of it sucks because it's so blatantly obvious. But that's how they've uh, that's how they've gamed the system, right? And you just have to deal with that. Yeah, and as long as Houston doesn't lose to UConn, that's a bye week. Houston's not losing to UConn. No, sorry. There's no chance. That's um, all right. No, but UC would have two top 25 wins and one really, really good one, which would pretty much put them on <coughs> the same plane as most of the other teams. Tonight is chaos in my house, Absolute chaos in my house. I take Sorry. that that over what I'm dealing with. Yeah, I feel you. Um. So yeah, they're 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 at four. They're for the time being. They're in. Any uh, any final thoughts on SMU? Other than, boy, that is a team that really does not like getting hit. Like that is. Charmin, because Cincinnati punched them in the mouth, and they went south in a hurry. Yeah, they're the same team they were last year. They're soft. That I mean, that's really all. Like Cincinnati executed pretty much everything. I mean, I, we talked about it on the BBP. You have seven drives in the first the first seven drives of the game they go three and out six times and the one time they they get a nice drive together they fumble and the offense just was nails and they they put their foot on the gas fast and smu couldn't get out of clifton fast enough no 
I think. That's all I got. I like. I just. I mean, obviously they played great. I just part of me doesn't understand, like, how you throw for like sixty-six yards. How you're obviously Danny Gray was out, but your two other top receivers. How they combined for nine catches for twenty-eight yards. Are you even trying to get them the ball? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just didn't understand. And again, it, it, to me, it's... <laughs> Sorry. There's... Starts, no, with Curtis, starts with Curtis Brooks. This defense is... goes to a different level when he dominates in the middle. And we saw that again this week. Yeah, when he's good, it takes everything to a different level because, I mean, you saw every pretty much every time Mordecai tried to step up into the pocket, it was it was curtains for him. Because Brooks was Brooks had dominated the interior of the line pretty much by himself. And that allows Maje to get home. That allows uh, Briggs to get home with Van still out. Uh, it, it just it changes the feel of the Cincinnati defense when Curtis Brooks is playing like Curtis Brooks is playing right now. And you know this is what the the third time this season we've really seen him take his game on the inside to a different level. And every time it's happened. All of a sudden, boom, the defense looks all world again. So, yeah. Hey, Curtis, going to need you the next two weeks, bud. <laughs> going to need you the next two weeks. Are you okay? Are you sure you can do this? Are you, are you all right? Yeah. Okay. Just coughing from talking. Coughing coughin corner? Coughing from talking. Well, that 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 can be a problem because yeah. the like you know, in order to do a podcast, an important part of the process is, is, talking. is talking. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's not like a deal breaker, I guess, but it is it is pretty high up the list. I think Tiger wants to fill in for you tonight. My guess, he's Tiger. he's pretty excited. Be my guest. Tiger, what do you what do you Tiger, what do you think about SMU? What are your thoughts on the SMU game, bud? <laughs> but uh I, I mean I don't I just don't I don't have a lot to say on SMU. Like No, it was 48 nothing. Right. <laughs> like, they got they got curb stomp. So Dave, everybody, not everybody, but most seem to be super, super, super concerned about Friday afternoon. Where are you at when it comes to ECU Friday afternoon in Greenville? 
I mean, I don't love that it's a Friday afternoon, the day after Thanksgiving in Greenville. Um, well, no, I don't think anybody loves it. But, but like, if we're just talking straight up football teams, like I'm not super concerned. Do they have the talent to pull off the upset? I would say if they played outstanding, yeah. But I just don't – the way the offense is playing right now, it's hard for me to see them – I don't want to say being stopped – but like scoring an amount of points that then the defense would have to play bad to allow ECU to bring in the game at the end. I think that's fair. I mean, I <clears throat> I was on a, a podcast from the guys from ECU with guys from ECU, and uh, I, mean, I think they said it accurately. They said, "Look." If both teams play to their standard, ECU is not going to win this game. Like, I don't know. Like, I know that everybody talks about the the Holt Nailers game from two years ago. Like, up until a, you know a game or two this year, that was a complete out of body experience, right? Yeah, he's good. He was really but that day. He was yeah, out of his mind. They also like Kobe had probably his worst game ever, and they made like five like they no just, way catches. They just threw the ball up and tried to either get catches or pass interference penalties. Um, he was really good last week against Navy. But, like, they're on this four-game winning streak, and all the credit to them. But it's against USF, Temple, Memphis, and Navy. They beat Memphis by one in overtime, which they should have lost to. They got outgained by more than a yard per play. Yeah. <laughs> and the Navy game was 38-35, and their kicker made a 54-yard field goal at the gun to win. So you're talking about the 121st, 119th, 97th, and 83rd ranked pass efficiency defenses in the country. This week they're going up against the number one ranked pass efficiency defense in the country. You're talking about the 125th, 109th, 75th, and 51st ranked rush defense in yards per carry allowed. (laughs) I didn't write down where UC is, but it's in the top 50, even with some of the struggles they've had against the run. We're both on mute at the same time coughing. That's good. Yeah, that's that's good timing. Yeah, but I mean, they have some dudes. Like, Keaton Mitchell's a really good running back. Tyler Sneed in the slot is going to give Arquan and whether it's Arquan, Pace, Hicks, He's going to give them everything that they want. He's a good, good slot receiver. You know, Mitchell at running back, seven yards to carry. 
leads the nation in 50-plus yard runs with five. Jaquan McMillan is an elite corner, five interceptions. They have 13 interceptions as a defense. They're 39th in pass efficiency D, so they're pretty good against the pass. But, I mean, they're 90th in yards per play allowed. They're 105th in rush yards per carry allowed. They're 100th in third down. They're 14th in third down defense, which is damn good. But 110 in sacks allowed, 102 in tackles for loss allowed. 64th in yards per carry, 62nd in yards per play on offense. So they're like, they're kind of just like a middle of the road seven and four team that has lost to the good teams they've played and has beat the bad one. Which pretty middle of the road, (laughs) right? Like there's nothing about anything that you just said other than, you know, I, I think with their two backs, do you think they would, Try to just go ground and pound and try to try to run Cincinnati to death, shorten the game, but no. that takes the ball out of the hands of Hold Nailers, who they believe le- is their guy. I think it's less about taking the ball out of his hands and taking the ball out of their receivers. I mean, they have Tyler Sneed's got 61 catches, and then they got two receivers and a tight end that all have over 32 catches. Right. Like, I just don't – I don't know. I, it, it was easy for these other teams to do that when they don't really have weapons on the outside or they're playing a freshman quarterback. Yeah. You have a senior quarterback with weapons on the outside. Like, you're really just going to run the ball 75% of the time? I mean, against the number one pass efficiency defense, like – are you trying to win the game or are you trying to prove a point? I guess is what, what Mike Houston's going to have to ask himself. You're not winning the game doing that. You want to prove a point and keep it close or something, whatever. You're not winning the game, not trying to throw the ball. I mean, what? Say they throw it 30 times and run it 40, 45. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see UC run the ball more this week. Um, I don't. Their rush defense is not very good. Certainly not as good as their pass defense. Okay. What what are, what do they look like defensively? Like, uh, what players to watch for? Jacob McMillan is de- is definitely their best defensive player corner. I don't know if he travels or, you know, if he'll match up with Pierce or if he stays on one side or what, but he's <coughs> he's very, very good. Like, he's in there with Kobe as the top four highest-graded corners in the country per PFF. Gotcha. Um, they have, like, 22 sacks total, so nothing special. You know, if you just go by SP plus, they're 78, we're seven. They're 75th offense, 80 defense, we're 12 offense, 10 defense. ESPN efficiency rankings, 
has UC fifth and ECU seventy first. So they're 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 give or take as average as you can get in college football. One hundred and thirty teams. Yeah. Right. So. I take it you're we're, we're both riding Bearcats here. I just I can't see them getting this far, no, and letting ECU, no, de- derail the train. It just it, it doesn't it doesn't compute in my brain. Now look, I know Cincinnati hasn't been as good on the road as they've been at home. ECU has had some outlier performances where they've been spectacular. They've also had some outlier performances where they've been terrible. Um, I just think everybody – They've also played their worst opponents at home. Yeah. And I do think, even though it's the Friday after Thanksgiving, like it sounds like their their crowds have been good. Mm -hmm. So I think that actually helps you see. Like if they have a decent crowd – I think the, the issues UC has had has been the you know playing at go, a flat stadium, right? Like so, yeah. You know, like you look at UC's best performances this year at home, at Indiana in the second half, at Notre Dame. Yeah, places where the game. Really, really bad. Yeah, and I think they're looking at this one as a game that really, really matters. Yeah, it's a it's a measuring stick. Like, where are? Well, that and in order to host the championship game, you have to win. Oh, I meant from like ECU's side with with their fans yeah. coming out and. <laughs> But yeah, they I have just to mean win in terms of like have, motivation to win Cincinnati. To, to host the game, yeah. Like Houston's in the clubhouse. Yeah. Undefeated in the conference. So if Cincinnati falls, there's no tiebreakers. There's no Houston hosts. I think this team wants to play another game at Nippert. And they know. I would like them they, to play another game at Nippert. I would as well. I have more confetti. They know more confetti cannons to buy. <laughs> what happened on the on the fifth touchdown? I didn't see any confetti. Well, there was there was confetti. I had six of them. Okay. It was standing with Nick. Maybe we missed it. We looked up towards you, and we didn't yeah. we didn't see any confetti. Did oh, when you uh, joined the ECU guys? Did they ask you about the fake punt? No, it's literally He's like not. the most overblown thing that I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> their coach felt disrespected. Whatever. If you understand why it was called, it's not a big deal. Like, it was, we, you know, we went over it a million times last year. It was very simply. Right. See this like coverage. This, this week, this call. their media availability, like all the players were asked about it. Like all the fans are talking about it. Like, like come on. Like, who cares? What the players say. 
I don't I don't remember. I just know them. Um if I you know you know how I I would fake putt the very first time we punted. <laughs> no matter where it was on the field. Yeah. I I mean there are very specific things that go into a fake punt. Yes, I know. If you, if you don't have those specific things, you don't do it because it's very hard to get it to work. So. But I know you would fake punt. I, well, no I, would, I would hardly have punt to begin with, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> <coughs> What's uh, what, what, how bad do you think it gets? What, what are you feeling? Mm. I, I don't know if I necessarily think it gets like last week bad. Like I, I, I struggle to see them being up 48, nothing. <laughs> right. But I, I think it's going to be like, I don't know, 40, 42, 21, 42, 20, something like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing with ECU is they're like, they're a physical team. They're not going to fold if Cincinnati smacks them in the mouth. That's not who they are. Right. So they're going to respond. Like, they're not just going to lay down and, and have UC rub their belly like SPU did. <laughs> but like if you look at the the best teams they've played this year mm-hmm. the whole year this this year's been goofy so i don't go back like all the way through i was just kind of looking at the last four when they've won these four games in a row app state they scored 19 south carolina they scored 17 ucf they scored 16 houston they scored 24 and I guess I'll throw Memphis in there. They scored 30. <clears throat> so, like, against the better teams this year, they've struggled to score. I don't see them getting over 20. It's, it's hard to – and that, you know, it's – assuming – I just – yeah. I don't. It just doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't equate. All right. Let's. Uh, did you? Did were you sound asleep last night at nine thirty? I caught the first half, and then the drugs kicked in. The second half wasn't a whole lot different. So Unfortunately, they. You're telling me when their best player doesn't score. And we don't rebound very well against good teams. We're probably not going to win. Turned it over fourteen times. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's a work. It's a work in progress. Look, that, that's one of the things you have to learn as like a like a play hard team, right? You just anticipate like we're going to play harder than them, and eventually they're going to wear down. Well. Arkansas did not wear down in any way, shape, or form. And I think as the game got towards the final minutes, I think that frustrated the hell out of Cincinnati. 
is they just didn't like they couldn't put their foot on the gas and and pull away. But I thought they showed some great guts. Like there was definitely a time, you know, Arkansas goes up, goes up six. Cincinnati answers with an 11-2 run in the second half. And, and that was easily a point where, you know, it would like, I think there was eight, nine minutes left somewhere in there where, you know, you're playing a ranked team, neutral site, but they've got all the fans. That's a, that's a spot where you, you maybe you buckle a little bit. And credit to this team, they didn't they didn't buckle. They said, "No, we're we ain't done yet. We're still coming." And I think you have to give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I mean that's the thing we've talked about so far is playing solid defense for the majority of the games, mm-hmm. playing with effort, playing with energy, being deep will keep you in most games, just like it did last night. Even without Jeremiah scoring, even with them not rebounding well, they were in the game until the very, very end. So that's just the next evolution. The next step is, you know, how do you manufacture points for your best player when either he's having a tough shooting day or the defense is doing a really good job keying in on him. Like, how do you get him to the line? How do you get him a couple of easy ones to where, yeah, maybe he only has six or seven points. But if he had six or seven last night versus zero, you know, it could be a different outcome. Yeah. That missed layup in the final minute was a killer. Yeah, I did. It just Down one. They hit him with a great pass. And he's point blank and just doesn't get the ball in the basket. Yeah, I mean, it's and they didn't happen. score it. They didn't score the rest of the way. Yeah, but I think there's, you know, I think that's just Wes will figure it out. The players will figure it out. Like the level that it takes is is the because this isn't the first time already in in six games. This is the is the rebounding stuff a concern? Yeah, because I just don't think this is built to be a good rebounding team. You know, you're small at guard. You're average on the wing. And that's really where the damage at. Like, Audis Tony had six of their 18 offensive rebounds. He's a three. So yeah, you're one of those uber-athletic guys that comes flying in. and Right. And... Sorry, I'm eating tortellini. Not McDonald's. McDonald's messed up my order. So I didn't get to eat my McDonald's. Might have been my last McRib of the season. And then I screwed it up. Bastards. I had one tonight um, myself. Yeah. Don't, mean to, don't mean to rub it in or anything. but Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. Really kind of you. Um... So a team like that that's going to send four, five to the glass, and they're going to heavily rely on their wings to do the damage, that's a problem. Because then they just say, look, 
their bigs box out our bigs, we're okay with that. Because we've got numbers. We've got length and athleticism over their wings and guards. So I think that was really where the problem was last night. It wasn't necessarily like their bigs just dominated the glass, which let's not kid ourselves, though. What do you think Houston does? That's Yeah, I mean, I caught a touch of their game today. They absolutely dog-walked. Uh, was it Oregon? Oregon, Oregon's terrible. <clears throat> like Fabian White can score now. That's an interesting yeah. development. It would start. You could start to see it coming last year when he first when he came back and once he he started to get into a rhythm. They're, uh, I mean, outside of they had a they had a really bad fifteen minutes against Wisconsin, where Wisconsin had one guy. They kind of cooked them. But other than that, man, they're they're really good. And Memphis is still being Memphis where they're a little up and down. Like they don't they don't yeah. wow you by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But we got they're just so long and athletic and talented. We can't get into games where not only are they long and athletic, but their bigs will just play volleyball with the ball. Just you know, put it up there, tap it, tap it, tap it, keep it alive. Like it's, it's definitely. But but again, I'm not overly worried about the bigs. Like I think the bigs will be fine and hold their own. I'm worried about the guards and the wings, and there's just not a there's not a fix in sight there. So that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, but when when you're playing teams that are a lot more traditional, I don't think it's going to be too much of an issue. No. Maybe I'm crazy. I just think you're going to be able to hold up against teams that you know have traditional size, have you know a much more standard operating procedure, as opposed to. You know, God, I just, I just keep Tony was a monster, man. Like he single handedly gave UC the loss. You hear me? Yes, I hear you. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I I I'd have to say, like six games in, I don't think you could have asked for any better. What do you think? No, I mean, I think conventional wisdom was that you drop the Illinois game and hope to beat Kansas State. And right. you get the Illinois game and then you're ultra competitive against another top 15 team. And I don't even just mean the results, though. I just mean – the style of play, seeing, like, getting a feel for how West coaches a game. Yeah, I mean, I, I just – I think they'll be an enjoyable team to watch. I look forward to seeing 
steps they take, hopefully take offensively. Because I think, you know, I think, you know, what's the I still think you're, like, you're, you're going to be limited offensively right. all year. I think, right. But, you know, how do you, how do you try to mask over that? Like, what right. do we do in game 15 that we couldn't do in game five just because we weren't quite there yet? to try to alleviate those issues. And that'll be the... No, that's definitely fair. That'll be the enjoyable part of, to me at least, of, of seeing how this team develops. Because I think, you know, 20, two or three of your games you play terrible and you lose. Two or three of your games you play great and you win. And it's those in-between games that you really find out you know what kind of team you have and outside of houston and memphis i mean that's kind of the crazy thing right they didn't play well against arkansas like as a whole david and julius played really well i thought mike saunders was good right but and they still had a one-point lead with two and a half minutes to go like i I, that to me was really encouraging yeah you're in a one possession game down to the end when you your best player hasn't scored and you've been getting your tail kicked on the boards. Has it changed? I mean, we were admittedly, you know, just taking blind shots in the dark with our preseason prediction without having seen this team play a game. Does what you've seen over the first six change your outlook for the season? Maybe a touch. I don't know enough about like the conference to really make some huge deviation. Like I think I said they do it nineteen games. Like, uh, yeah, I was in the seventeen to nineteen range. I think I'm ready to go into like maybe the like twenty two like range 20 now, twenty one. But that's not like a crazy change. Yeah. No, but I what I think I like what I've where I've deviated I think is like they're gonna be they're gonna have some success against the Wichita State Central Florida SMU bunch below Houston and Memphis. Like yeah, it's gonna be it's still gonna like with the way they play, it's gonna be very hard to beat them at home. Correct. So. Yeah, I, I I think you're looking 2022, which I think would be a wildly successful year number one. Yeah, it would be. You'd be a fringe. You'd be a fringe NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I think this the, the December schedule is probably going to hurt them in that regard. Right, but I mean, but like, because really outside of Xavier, they don't have anything left. Correct, but that's. That's just based on like the past and yeah. not going. But I mean, like if you're a if you're a twenty twenty one twenty two win team and then you win a couple games in your conference tournament, like you're a fringe NCAA tournament team, right? Maybe on the back of the fringe, but like that's where you're typically you are. I mean, I I think you know, I think NIT would be pretty good for this group. I think getting to play as many games as possible would be good for this group. Yeah, because you still have a lot of guys that are returning next year. 
like you'll have a lot to build on. And you're in the first year. I coach. think that's what this you year is be, all about. You should be yeah. trying to play as many games as you can. All right, you you want to you want to yell at me about my my Thanksgiving take? Apparently, oh no, I am in a hundred percent agreement with you, and I would take it even further and say that all of it is trash. I mean, mashed potatoes aren't trash. No, but here here's I like my mashed point. potatoes. Here's my point. You don't like turkey. I do like turkey on a turkey sandwich, on a nice like <laughs> toasted ciabatta roll with pepper jack cheese and. And all of that. Here's the thing. I have, I have very strong opinions on this. As someone who grew up for the majority of my developmental years, going to my dad's parents in New York for Italian Thanksgiving, which is half Italian food, half traditional food. Right. So I would get the pizza and the pasta and the stuffed artichokes and the Italian sausage with peppers and onions. And then you'd also have your, you know, Thanksgiving food, as they say. Right. Then we decided to start going to this uh, Italian restaurant that did a full buffet with carving station, raw bar, pasta station, and your Thanksgiving food. When my mom's parents uh, got older in their lives and needed to go to assisted living, we thought it would be a nice gesture the first year that they were in assisted living to go to Thanksgiving dinner at the assisted living home. And from that point on, it was uh, not good, just to put it politely. So I have been anti-Thanksgiving food since then. And my, my beef, and you touched on it some today. I call it old people and baby food. Like, why does everything have to be mushy? Yeah, everything's a casserole. Why, why is there, traditionally, now obviously, every family does something different. But, like, why is there nothing fresh? Why do green beans have to be stuck in the oven for hours now, why can't you have like a cold green bean salad or saute green beans with, you know. Green beans are good. Love green bean casserole is gross. Awful. Like, no, I don't like I, sweet I just, potatoes. I like, I like most of the things on their own. Like I like a good baked sweet potato. I like sweet potato casserole on occasion. But I don't want green bean casserole Broccoli cauliflower casserole, stuffing, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, macaroni and cheese, all at the same time. <laughs> that, that is like, take your teeth out and gum it, to, like put it in a blender. Like, why does it all have to be at the same time? Why is all of it for babies and old people? <laughs> That's one step farther than my take of. There's a reason you don't eat that stuff all year. And of course, the people come out of the woodwork like we eat stuffing all year. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. That's that's a lie. It's a lie. Oh, honey, I were you busy at work today? Oh, swamped at work. But you know what? I've really been craving 
some oyster stuffing. I'm going to go ahead and make, make that, you know, for tomorrow's dinner. Like, what, what are you having the stuffing with? Well, that's, that's what somebody said, is it, that uh, it all goes with turkey. Like, that's why you only have it once a year, because you only have turkey once a year. Well, turkey and turkey or ham. Yeah, but all that stuff, go, like chicken and turkey aren't that dissimilar. It's just a small no. turkey. Chicken is a small turkey. No, it's just, it's not, it's not, I, like, Rachel made a lasagna tonight, so I will be having that tomorrow. Sounds pretty good. And lots of jello shots. Jello shots always an uh, integral part of any Simone family gathering. Yes, we were doing our uh, jello shot walk as long as it's not raining. Have t shirts and everything. So yeah, I got an interesting score for you. Uh, is it Iowa State a lot? Xavier, not as many. Iowa State 79, Xavier 65. Is it over? Two and a half minutes to go. Oh, that's a bummer. It's, you hate to see it. It's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. An Iowa State team with uh, no good players. Seven new players in their eight-man rotation. Six transfers and a freshman. I just, I just think like people. I don't know. I. <laughs> I would, there's so many things I would rather eat and cook for like a well, get together. I think with- here's where here's where Thanksgiving created like ultimately this is where the Thanksgiving problem began, right? One person hosts Thanksgiving and everybody comes. So everybody feels the need to bring something, right? So you just there's too much like there's not a need for that much stuff. Like you need to tell Aunt Wilma that we don't need your green bean casserole. Turkey, mashed potatoes, some type of corn. Like if you want to have one type of casserole, I think that's okay. Like mix in a salad. Like Kelly's aunt does like a spinach salad with like a really good dressing um, that, that Kelly loves to, to go to her aunt's every year and, and get, you know, the salad. But like, quit making so much stuff that nobody likes. And then you feel like you have to eat it because Aunt Betty is like, oh, how did you like the sweet potato casserole, David? <laughs> You were like, I didn't put little, that shit on my plate because it's a little gross. melted, melted marshmallows on it. And yeah, the pineapple in it. It's like uber sweet, and you're like, is this dessert? Why is it hot? Like, <laughs> is it a cobbler? Did you make no. sweet potato cobbler? I'll have, I'll have a little bit of turkey because we don't even do like the like cart. Like our turkey is already ready for sandwiches. Oh, it's like just deli turkey? No, not deli, like, but it's like turkey breast, but it's, we don't have like the big turkey where, you know, Clark Griswold, you know, sits there with the knife and, <laughs> and carves it at the table. So I'll have some salad, I'll have some lasagna, I'll have a little bit of turkey, some mashed potatoes and gravy, and a lot of red wine. 
That's a lot of red wine. That's probably even with it. the cold, you'll fight through it with the red wine. Yeah, with like Nyquil shooters. <laughs> we're we're small time this year because my uh, we normally are at my aunt's, and my uncle just had knee replacement surgery. So she didn't want to host this year. So we're just doing me and Kelly and Kelsey and my dad and stepmom and her mom and her mom's boyfriend. And that's it. So like there, there's seven of us. Last so year. So we're not. Last, last year, year was just us. There's the three of us. Last year was my favorite. One of my favorite Thanksgivings ever. Was it just you, the missus and mom and dad? No, it was just me. Rachel and Will, and we used COVID as an excuse and got Jeff Ruby's takeout. <laughs> Ooh. <And> did, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's a Thanksgiving. Crab legs, and yeah, it was just a nice nice dinner for the two of us. I made cream, like spinach, <clears throat> I made cream spinach and mashed potatoes, and then we had steaks and crab legs, and uh, yeah, it was delightful. Like the cook at home, Jeff Ruby's takeout. Yeah. So last year, because of everything that was going on, they they would put together these little packages yeah. that you could do, or you could just like we bought like four or six steaks too um, at one point. And so yeah, so you just ordered it and like could pick it up the next day. And you got like the sixteen bricks bread and butter and couple steaks asparagus you got a freddy salad you got you could add like crab legs so we added some crab legs and then i made cream spinach and mashed potatoes it was it was much better than stuffing and sweet potatoes and green beans but soaked in cream of mushroom soup and yeah sounds pretty good (laughs) it was good (laughs) <laughs> Sounds pretty good. All right. Well, I, I don't have a whole. Do you, anything else you want to you want to touch on? Uh, I know you're 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 playing hurt, so I'm trying to get you out of here as quick as possible tonight. People are going to be really upset with a one hour podcast in their feed tomorrow. Well, they should be spending time with their loved ones, not listening to us. I mean, we're better than your family. It's the perfect amount. I mean, like, if, if you have longer than an hour drive, probably should have told the people to come to your house instead. Yeah, or you just, you know, you fire on the BBP or pardon the punctuation and, and you continue to get your fix there. I did find it funny today that, like, within five minutes of each other, I saw a tweet about, and they might not have been tweeted at the same time, but I saw them because I was just, like, taking a nap and trying to rest up. I saw like a tweet about Rick Neuheisel saying that Luke was going to probably going and, to USC. Yeah. And, and then Dennis Dodd saying he's saying. He's like, no, he's like, he's telling recruits he's staying. I'm like, none of you guys know anything. So, right. like, there's literally two people, if they say something about Luke, I would believe. Outside Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel and Stephen Godfrey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Steven's got a pretty good connection to him, too, doesn't he? Yeah, he's done several pieces on UC a couple years ago. He did, like, a big 45-minute, like, sit-down interview with Luke. Um, so, yeah, like, 
he's not going anywhere. <laughs> and if he does, like, okay, but but trust me, Rick Neuheisel doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess Mel Tucker signed his deal tonight. Yeah, everybody's jerking off Mel Tucker tonight. Okay, good for Boy. him, man. You got a losing record as a head coach, and you just got $95 million. Like, good for you. Way to play the market. I mean, how ecstatic are you if you're Ohio State and you now know James Franklin and Mel Tucker are both going to be around for the next 10 years? I mean, James Franklin has always given Ohio State fits. I don't know how good. But he doesn't win. No, but he, play, he plays them harder than anybody else in that conference has. And they've won a couple recently against Yeah, them. but I mean Not super recently because Ryan Day hasn't lost a Big Ten game. <clears throat> but like those those two guys will at least recruit like Ohio State in that they understand the SEC like mindset. Right. Har- Harbaugh doesn't, and the rest of the Big Ten doesn't. So and I'm not saying that they'll ever be like Ohio State. They still have to get the players. Um, I just think it's funny that, like, someone was like, we need to give Mel Tucker $95 million. Why? I, I don't. Because <laughs> he might go to LSU. Okay, then he goes to LSU and we hire somebody else. Like, yeah, I, but I, they, you know, they're going to have PTSD. It's always the fear of, like, the person that you get isn't as good. But, like, I don't know. I, I can't. I'm uh, obviously I'll never be an AD, but I just always kind of laugh at like these guys that hold these schools hostage. And I'm just like, I think we can find someone that's just as good as you. Like, I don't need to, we don't need to do that now. Yeah. But they just did it two years ago and they couldn't like, well, well, the mega boosters that are part of this deal were not part of the deal two years ago. Right. Ironically, the one one of the guys was a walk-on on the Michigan State 2000 basketball national championship team. Okay. And now he's like a billionaire, like mortgage or like home loan guy. Good for him. I'm just waiting for Mark Stoops to get a job. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's either him or Bill O'Brien for LSU. Because uh, there might be a couple people in the Lindner Center that will help him pack his bag. They haven't, they haven't been in Ohio nearly as much lately. It's not as easy as it once was. No, for sure. Things are a little more crowded these days. All right, well, I'm going to let you get some rest. Oh, I just, did we just get a delivery of Buckeyes? Is that what that is? Oh, yeah. Just got a, uh, looks like, uh, how many dozen? Three, four dozen? Wow. For tomorrow? That's, that's a lot. Oh. Yes, well, some are for you, for your birthday. Hopefully, I can give them to you on December 4th. I will be more than more than ready to uh, accept those. More than ready. 
All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up. We will be at the Holy Grail Banks, Tony Pike and I, pregame show, watch party, Bearcats and Pirates, Friday. I get rolling about 3, 310, somewhere in there. And uh, we'll take it from there. Basketball team against Monmouth, 2 o'clock on Saturday. So there's no let up, Dave. No. It's constant. And then AAC championship game and then bowl practices and basketball season, Christmas, uh, bowl game, signing conference day play. Three weeks from today. Signing day in three weeks. Like We'll see what kind of fireworks <laughs> we got between now and then. Can we, I'm can, guessing. Can, can they give us more of an exciting signing day than they have like the last three years? Probably not. I think this is how he likes it. I don't. Doesn't he think of anybody but himself? No, I think he's pretty <laughs> pretty focused he, on Luke. Doesn't he think about our business and what's good for us? Not really. No, no, he doesn't actually. That's unfortunate. Not really. It's not really concerned with that. Doesn't help us when every kid we know is. What can you do? All right. Well, we'll see everybody Friday at the Holy Grail or Saturday at the Third Arena. Dave, you get better, buddy. Oh, uh, yes. I, thank you. Thank you. Apologies to all our loyal listeners for how terrible I sound and all the coughing. That's okay. And that was my, hopefully the audio is good. Where it might have hurt is, could you hear me chewing? No. Not really? No. Or no? No. Did you hear, you heard it? Yeah, it's going to be no. loud. Who did we play Saturday? Uh, Monmouth. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But usually a decent major. I don't know what, what they look like this year. I haven't looked at it yet. Somebody asked me if I knew about invites to the Senior Bowl. I'm like, do you realize how, how much work is happening right now? Like, no, I, I have not had time to ask anybody. The invites are out. Senior Bowl invites. Coaches haven't given them to the players yet. Right. And I, it's not on my radar. And they won't give them to them, I'm guessing, until after the conference. Too. Yeah, until after Houston. All right. That's it. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. This is the Holy Grail BCJ Podcast. Right here on BearcatJournal.com.